Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen. You can be seated today. You can be seated this morning. The church will rise up. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible this morning, Ruth chapter 4. Thanks, worship team. Today we come to the final scene in the grand conclusion of this beautiful story that we've been in from the Old Testament, from the book of Ruth, over these last four weeks. And so we get to see today how everything comes together in this love story. And I want to let you know right from the beginning, it has a very happy ending. The book of Ruth is... A story of romance and a story of redemption. And the word redeem in the book of Ruth occurs about 20 times. So we know it's about redemption. You know, the way we use the word redeem or redemption in our culture, I'm not sure we quite get it right. In our culture, you redeem things like air miles. Or you redeem some coupons at the store. But the biblical picture of Redemption means to be bought back. In simple terms, it's something lost has been recovered. And this is when we think about redemption, what Jesus has done for each one of us. We were once lost, but now we've been found. And so today I want us to see how God works to redeem and how the story points to the ultimate redeemer who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And if you're going to write a title down here today, write this title down. Are you ready? Here comes the Redeemer. Here he comes. Here comes the Redeemer. So let me, if I, uh, uh, or if maybe you haven't uh, had a chance to catch the previous weeks, or, or maybe you're new to church today, let me just recap a little bit about what's been happening in the story of Ruth so far. The story begins in Bethlehem, in Israel, and a family there, Elimelech, and his wife Naomi, and their their two sons, they're experiencing famine, and so without any prayer or any direction from God, seemingly they took matters into their own hands. And when they were in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread, they left the house of bread to go to Moab, which was the cursed land which was the place that no Israelite would ever want to be or associate with any of those people. It was a land of idolatry. It was a land of sin. It was a land of brokenness. But this family picked up, and during famine, rather than waiting for God's provision in the house of bread, they left during a hard time, and they went into Moab, which could picture them going into the world, out of God's care and protection So as they were in Moab, they were there for some time, and it was a fatal decision to move because tragedy struck. First, Elimelech passed away, and then the two sons that went with the family, they had married Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah, and now the two sons then, after about 10 years, had passed away. So Naomi, one of the main characters, she found herself destitute, desolate, desperate, and in need. She was in now the land of Moab, of darkness. And these were dark times. These were during the days of the judges. 
when Israel had no king and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And because they made some decisions that were right in their own eyes, they found themselves away from God's provision. She left full in Bethlehem, but she found herself empty. And so she began to journey back because she heard word that God had visited his people again in the house of bread in Bethlehem. So as she journeyed back, one of her daughters decided to turn back, Orpah, and go back home to Moab. But one of her daughters-in-law, Ruth, Ruth clung to her. Ruth had a conversion on that dusty road where she said, I'm not going back to Moab. I'm not going back to what I knew before. I'm going with you. I'm clinging to you. I am moving with you. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And she forsook all of her pagan gods and idols in that moment. And as they journeyed back to Bethlehem, in chapter 2, they found themselves then there, greeted by some women, and Ruth said, you can call me bitter. I left this place full, but now I've returned empty. And they were so desperate and so empty that they had to move to the fields to find some grain. So in Bethlehem, to survive, Ruth goes out, works in the fields. And as she works in the fields, she is there and she meets the man of her dreams, Boaz. And Boaz is the rich, he is the good-looking, I'm guessing, it doesn't say in the Bible, but I'm guessing the good-looking landowner who gets her attention. And not only does he get her attention, he sees her as well. And she, he notices Ruth, is kind to Ruth. And she finds herself there in that place in the fields gleaning. But Boaz is kind to her, shows favor to her, invites her to dine with him. And it just so happens that Boaz is a close relative. And because he's a close relative, this means that he can be a redeemer for their family line. And so in chapter 3, Naomi starts with some divine scheming. We looked at this last week. And she begins to think about how Boaz can then be part of redeeming the land that would have ultimately been lost because of the deaths of the males in her family line. And so she sends Ruth to the threshing floor where Boaz is asleep and she lays herself down at his feet. Basically, she was saying in that culture, I am here, I am available, and it was basically a proposal for marriage. He wakes up in the middle of the night, he finds a lady at his feet. How awkward would that be? And he asks her, who are you? That's an excellent question to ask in the middle of the night. He finds out it's Ruth. He says, oh, you're the girl I kind of like from the field. And she's like, yeah, that's me. And so they hold hands and they talk and they recite poetry to each other uh, in the middle of the night and they fall deeper in love. And there's this beautiful romance that takes place between Ruth and Boaz. And he says, I'm honored that you would propose to me, that you would want to marry me. You could have chosen any of these other young guys and, and all, all the other guys that you had, you know, that, that were available to you to choose from, but you chose me. And he said, I would love to marry you. But then it takes a turn. He says, but, but there's another kinsman. There's somebody else who is closer, who is in line to marry you. And so it's just like the classic Hallmark movie, isn't it? There she is at the Harvest Festival at the threshing floor. And she's with the man of her dreams, and they're falling deeper in love. But then there's another guy. And the guy comes in from New York City because he's a big-time lawyer in the New York City 
office, and they were previously engaged, and he had rights to be engaged, and she kind of was tossed up and torn down. And so Boaz said, let me do what I need to do to marry you. So Boaz then, he decides to get to work and see what he can do. He promises that if the other man isn't interested, that he then would marry Ruth. And this is what happened then. Naomi hears the news and she says, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for this man will not rest until the matter is settled. And so she's saying, he's working, and just wait and rest. To me, I want us to see this. This is a beautiful picture of how God works for us. In redemption, we can just rest in the redemption while we know that God is working for us. And so this is where we pick up the story today, Ruth chapter 4. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. And at the gate, this was the place where the men, the leaders, the elders of the city would come together. They would do business. They would solve legal matters. And at the gate is where things took place as far as property and, and, and all the things that had to do with rede- redemption and, and some of these laws that were in place. And so then it goes on, and behold, the close relative of who Boaz had spoken came He came by, and so Boaz said, come aside, friends, sit down here. And so he came aside, and he sat down, and he took ten men. And I want you to notice that, ten men of the elders of the city. And he said, sit down here. So they sat down there. Verse 3, then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants. And the elder of my people, and the elders of my people. And if you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And then the story takes another turn. He says, basically, hey, you're next in line. You can redeem this land. You can can do what you want to do because it's your right. And he says, okay, I'll redeem it then. And everybody's heart sinks. Well, I thought he loved Ruth. How is this going to turn out? But Boaz was a shrewd businessman. Because in verse 5, he says, Then Boaz said, On the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. So in other words, Boaz is saying, You can buy the land, but there's strings attached. That means you have to marry Ruth. And this was all to do with the customs and and the Leverite laws at that time and all the things that were in place to protect and to make sure that land and family names were transferred properly. And so now this man, verse 8, says, The guardian redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. And so that, that was just part of what they did in that day. It was like a contract today when we buy property or whatever it is, we sign a document. But in that day, they just lifted up their Birkenstocks and they showed it at each other. And that's how they knew they sealed the deal. So next time you go buy a house, just take off your sandal and say, it's mine. <laughs> Wherever my foot treads, that's what the Lord has promised to me. And that's really where it comes from is that promise to Joshua where the territory is yours and where you tread. So that's where that custom comes from, but... Verse 9, as Boaz said to the elders and all the people, he says, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife. So he purchased her and purchased the land. 
And so if you're taking notes, I want us to see three images here this morning. And I want us to look at what each one of them represent. And we can look and see how God redeems and what they mean and how he recovers what is lost. So the first one is the true redeemer. Second being the close relative. And the third, the redeemed bride. Let's look at these one at a time. The true redeemer. The true redeemer here in this picture, although there was a man that was in line before Boaz because he was a, a next of kin, he was related to the family in the order that he would have the right to marry Ruth first. He was not the true redeemer because the true redeemer ended up to be Boaz. He was the one who redeemed Ruth. Boaz is a vivid picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. The goel is the Hebrew word for it, which means he is able to redeem. He is the kinsman redeemer in the Old Testament, but Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. He's the one who has bought us back. Boaz is a picture because he is the man from Bethlehem, Jesus from Bethlehem. He is the Lord of the harvest, Jesus, the Lord of the harvest. In the same way, Boaz was this kinsman redeemer. It was the Mosaic law. In the Mosaic law, God had made provision for widows and for those who had lost spouses and sons that they could redeem, that they could, there were special provisions for them to then gain the property and the family name back. So by simple definition, a kinsman redeemer was someone who had the ability to rescue what was lost, to redeem somebody or something. This could be freedom or their family name. And so I want us to see this right here. There, the, the picture of Boaz being Christ, the, the picture of Jesus that we see in the Old Testament being Boaz, and, the, and then how he is the kinsman redeemer for us in redemption. I want to show you this. It's very interesting because there were certain criteria that were necessary for someone to be a redeemer. They needed to be related. They needed to be rich, they needed to be willing, and they needed to be able. Related. Jesus was, is related to us as the kinsman redeemer in the sense that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That Jesus became a man. Galatians says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as sonship. How many are thankful that we are related in that sense to Jesus, that he became flesh, he became a man, that we can be redeemed by one who is related to us? He is our redeemer then he must have the means. He must be rich. How many are thankful that Jesus, even though Boaz was a rich man, Jesus is a lot richer than Boaz ever was. He is the king of all kings. He owns everything. And that he became poor, that we might become rich. That we might become rich. And then willing. Jesus was willing. You see that in, the, in the picture of Boaz, in the story of Boaz, where Boaz was compassionate and kind, and he took notice of Ruth, the Moabite woman, the, the woman from the land of Moab, the, the, the place that was known as, as the washcloth or the, or the toilet bowl of, 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 of the whole world. And it was a cursed nation. But this Moabite woman catches the eye of the kinsman redeemer, Boaz. And he was willing. He showed her kindness. He showed her protection. 
That speaks to me of how Jesus, when even though we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we were far away, Jesus loved us and saw us and noticed us. I want you to know here this morning that no matter how far away that you feel this morning that you might be from the eye or from the kindness or from the heart of God for you, that even though you may be somebody who you think, I am, I've gone way too far, I'm living trapped in sin and death and idolatry, do you know that the Redeemer's heart beats for you. His eyes are looking for you. He is noticing you right now where you are, no matter where you are. And so he is willing. The kinsman Redeemer is willing. John 10, 15 says, Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for my sheep. You see, Jesus went to the cross willingly. Matthew 20 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus willingly laid down his life as the redeemer for us. And then the final criteria is that he is able. The kinsman redeemer is able. The name Boaz means strength and ability. So Boaz is a picture of the ableness, that God is not only related, rich, willing, and, but he is able as well. That he is able to save us, to redeem us. Hebrews 7, 25 says, therefore he is able to save completely. Isn't that a beautiful verse? That means when you're saved, you're not just saved a little bit. You're not just partially saved or half saved. It's like, well, I just, I'm kind of half saved. Some days I feel like I'm half saved. How about you? Anybody? I feel like I'm half saved. But you're not. You're fully saved. You're completely saved. He is able to save us completely. Those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. That means Jesus is always before the throne of God, before the Father, and he is making intercession. He is praying for you. He is interceding for you. You are fully saved and covered by the kinsman redeemer. He is able and mighty to save. So that is the first image. The second one is the close relative. The close relative was the man that Boaz met at the gate. And he says, hey, come here, sir. Come sit down. In the actual language, it means so-and-so. So he's not even named. It's like, hey, so-and-so, come here. I found out that you're the one that has the right to marry Ruth before me. And so he starts wheeling and he starts dealing with this close relative. The close relative is very, a very interesting picture here too because he is related in the family line similar to the way Adam would be related. So Jesus being the kinsman redeemer, the second Adam, the word became flesh, here is now the, the first Adam. It's a picture of the first Adam, the sinful Adam, the one that is related but not able to fulfill the redemption. It's like the picture here, he, he said, well, he says when he was offered the property, this unnamed redeemer, he said, well, I, I'm in. I'll buy the property. I've been looking for some opportunity to invest in the market, do a little, uh, maybe a little flip, a little mortgage flip, a little house flip, uh, maybe build some condos. I've been looking for investment property. So yeah, I'm in. I'm going to redeem the land. But then when Boaz brought up, he says, yeah, but when you buy the land, it means you have to marry Ruth, the Moabite. And that's where he says, well, that's where I draw the line. I don't know if he was already married or maybe he was already engaged. We don't know what's going on here, but I think it could have to do with the fact that an Israelite would not want to even have the reputation of marrying somebody from Moab, a Moabite. It would be despicable. So he was interested in the land, but he said, I'm not interested in the person. 
where our kinsman redeemer is completely opposite to that. He is interested in the treasure. He is interested in the person. He says, I am not only going to redeem all the land, but I'm going to redeem Ruth. It reminds me of the parable in, in, uh, that Jesus tells in Matthew where the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Watch this. The treasure is hidden in the field. And Jesus says the man, he found it, then he hid it again. And he went out and he, he sold everything he had so that he could go back and buy the field. Why? Because he knew the treasure was in the field. You see, this second redeemer, this close relative, he said, I'm interested in the field, but not the treasure. But Jesus says, I love the treasure so much, I'm willing to buy the whole field. You see, that means when Jesus redeems us, here's the picture, he bought the field. That means all the rocks, the dirt, the brokenness, the worms, the germs that surround your life. Jesus says, I love you so much. I buy the whole field. When Jesus bought you and redeemed you, he bought all your brokenness. He bought all your pain. He brought all the the, the germs and the mess of the field because the treasure was in the field. You see, this, this close relative was not willing to buy the treasure, just the field. Just the field. And so he's a picture of Adam, but there's another picture here too, the law. We see the law in the close relative. So the 10 elders were at the city gate. And this also speaks of 10, the number of completion. And so 10 being a number of completion, it speaks of of the 10 commandments, the law. You see the law, the, the New Testament tells us, that the law was a schoolmaster, it's a teacher. It points us to the one who would come eventually, the kinsman redeemer, Jesus, who would ultimately fulfill the law. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. You see, what the Old Testament couldn't do, what the Ten Commandments did, they pointed to one that would come. The kinsman redeemer would eventually come. You see, this close relative was, was there. He was related. He was connected, but he was unable. And Jesus came in and he said, I am able. I am willing. I'm not just interested in the property. I'm interested in the person. I'm interested in the treasure. And he was able to fulfill the law. Romans 8 says that the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. The law, the 10 elders at the gate, they were not able to redeem. And I want you to see this too. He says the redeemer here was not just that he was not able. He says, I could not, I cannot. He, he said in verse six, and the close relative says, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my rede- right for redemption for yourself. I cannot. So he was not willing and he was not able. And it speaks of how the law itself, the 10 commandments, cannot redeem us, but the kinsman redeemer, Jesus, can. And, you know, we set up a lot of things in life that we look to to maybe bring a sense of redemption or salvation. But whether it's the law or whether it's of our own making, nothing else can redeem except for the redeemer. Here comes the redeemer. He comes and he fulfills the law, and he is the one who redeems. The third image is the redeemed bride, and this is a picture of Ruth being the church. 
Think about it. Ruth from Moab. She's from the world. She's a Gentile bride. And she catches the attention of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. She was from a life of sin and idolatry. She was noticed, favored, and loved. And let me show you how this all ends up. This is the most wonderful part of the story as we come to the conclusion of this chapter and the conclusion of this story. Verse 13 says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Do you see, Ruth and Naomi and Orpah, there was no children in Moab. And most Bible scholars and people that write commentaries, they, they believe that it's because they weren't able to have children. And so Ruth, not able to have children in Moab, and still walking through that, the pain of that, God's grace and his redemption, and now God provides a miracle, and she has a child. And so the women get excited about this, and the same women that met Naomi at the gate when she said, call me bitter, they're saying, Naomi, you have no reason to be bitter because you were, you were full when you left, and then you came back empty, but God now is filling you again, and he is filling your future with blessing. He is now provided for you through Boaz, through the kinsman redeemer. He is now providing for your future. You were empty and now you were full. Now here's what is so important because th this is what impacts us today. So verse 17, it says, and then they called his name, this little baby, Obed. He is the father of Jesse and the father of David. And what I want you to see is through the kinsman redeemer, through the picture in this beautiful book of Ruth, to see the gospel, to see how we were once lost, but now we've been found. How we were once away from God's care, from the house of bread, but we've been brought back. How God has weaved through the journey of their everyday lives in the mundane moments. The invisible God is seen and made visible through the providence and the sovereignty of God at work. This little family who left Bethlehem during a crisis, even though it was the best place for them to stay, the house of bread, they decided to take matters into their own hand and walk away. That fatal decision left them in a place of death, representing a life of sin away from God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. They experienced death and loss. But the gentle calling of God, again, she heard that the Lord had visited had visited her people. She went back to the house of bread. And even in that place, she didn't see the undetected, the unrecognized grace that God had provided her with, which was Ruth, who would ultimately work in the fields, meet Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, be redeemed, and to see the family line bought back. But we see here that it's not just their family line. As we look at this, Obed was the father of Jesse, the father of David. I want you to think about this. You see, Ruth and Boaz gave birth to a baby who became the grandparent of king, the king of Israel, King David. King David. And later on, through that line of David in the little town of Bethlehem, Jesus, the Redeemer of the whole world, was born. So the Redeemer comes 
and is born in Bethlehem on that Christmas day, on that Christmas celebration where we celebrate the birth of Jesus, where I wonder in the same fields where the angel showed up to the shepherd, I wonder if those were the same fields where Ruth and Boaz first met. I wonder if in those fields where the angels proclaimed that Jesus would be born in the city of David, that they would even know of the magnitude of the story that was actually going on in their lives, the way that God was working this story together for his purposes, not just for this little family from Bethlehem, but for all of mankind, for you and for me today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according with the riches of God's grace. How many are thankful for our Redeemer, Jesus? Here comes the Redeemer. Here comes the Redeemer. Here he comes. And he's coming again as we enter into Christmas season. Our focus and our attention and our eyes are on our Redeemer, Jesus, who comes again every Christmas as we celebrate, as we focus on the King of all kings. But this little story tucked away in the Old Testament, this little four-chapter book, which is like a hinge in Scripture between the dark days of the judges and the new promise of the prophetic future for Israel, we find the story of God here. And all of us are in that story. All of us are grafted into this story as the church. We are so blessed because of God's redeeming grace. Here comes the Redeemer. And he's coming today to your life. He's coming today to redeem and to restore what has been lost for you. See, to be redeemed in simple terms, again, it means recovering Something that was lost. Are there some things that you have lost? Or have you been redeemed from Moab, from death, from sin, from separation from God? Have you been redeemed by Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Today you can encounter the Redeemer. Here comes the Redeemer into your life. Here comes the Redeemer with hope, with love, with care. Here comes the Redeemer with grace and with mercy. Thank God for his redemption power. Thank God that he is our Redeemer. You see, Ruth is really the story of the gospel, the good news, that only the Redeemer could save us. The law couldn't save us. We can't save ourselves in the flesh. Only Jesus can save. So as they walked away from the house of bread, Ruth made that decision then to leave that life behind. I wonder if there's anyone here today and you say, that's me today. I, I've walked away from the house of bread. I've walked away, meaning I've walked away from God. I've, I've walked away from what he's given me. Maybe you've walked away from a season of faith or maybe it's just been hard or maybe you're confused or maybe you just need redemption of joy and you need, you need to come back like Naomi, who never really lost the fact that she was one of God's children, but she lost her way in a season. And if you're here today, then you can receive his grace and his mercy for whatever your situation is. You see, as the band, as the worship team comes back, you see, as 
We look at the beginning of the story of Ruth. It's from emptiness to fullness. It started with fullness in Bethlehem. It moved to emptiness in Moab. But then with the reality of famine, fear, and funerals, in that place of emptiness, God's story and God's goodness and his grace weaved through and worked through the lives of ordinary humans just like you and me in his providence. And this family found food. They found family and they found fullness because of the kinsman redeemer. And Jesus is our redeemer, friends. I would invite you to stand with me today, if you would. And I'm going to ask you this morning, if you were here or you're watching online and you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, that today would be a great day for you to give your life to Christ and to say, Lord, I, I need you to forgive my sin, to cleanse me. That's what it means to be redeemed. It means if you've lost or you're, you are lost, that the redeemer can make you right and put you in his family. And so if you're watching online, you're in the room today. I wonder if we could all bow our heads and just pray in this moment. And as we all pray together, let's just pray and ask Jesus to come and to save people, to redeem people. This might be the very first time you would make a decision like this, or maybe you're coming back today. You know, I think if Ruth was here today, she would say to you, it doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your family. It doesn't matter your brokenness. It doesn't matter the idols that you've had in your life. It doesn't matter the country, the home, the place you grew up. It doesn't matter your past experiences. You can today choose choose to move towards the house of bread, to choose today to move towards blessing, towards where the Redeemer resides, to move towards that place of being open and available and laying yourself at the Redeemer's feet, saying, here I am, Jesus. I am here at your feet. I am saying, I want you. I want you to cleanse me and provide for me and heal me and restore me. And if that's your heart today, maybe you've never prayed a prayer like that before, but today you can pray that prayer. You can invite Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. I think we should all just pray together to help our friends, whether it be online or in the room. And let's take a moment and let's pray this together. If that's you today and you're saying yes to Jesus, pray this prayer with us as we pray. Say, God, thank you for sending Jesus, the Redeemer. I believe he's the Son of God, that he died on the cross for me. Come into my life, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Fill me today and make me new. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today for the very first time, we'd love to meet you. We have a Bible for you at the front at Next Steps. Online you can click, and we'd love to follow up with you and help you on your journey of faith. And what I want to do now is, is pray for us before we go. And my, my heart today would be to pray for us that God would restore what has been lost. He is the Redeemer. He's the one that restores. And I wonder if there would be some this morning and you've had brokenness in your relationships and your family. It's been a tough time maybe for you. Maybe you've lost employment. You've lost finances. You've lost possessions. You've lost things. Can I just encourage you today that Jesus is the Redeemer. He's the one that restores. He's the one that makes it possible for us to experience fullness. 
And so we're going to pray that the Redeemer would come. Here comes the Redeemer today to restore and to bring life to you, even in this moment. So if that's your desire, just to receive redemption today, to receive his grace, his love, his mercy, his provision, his care. Father, you see, just raise your hands with me if you'd like to. Father, you see these hands, these these hearts that are raised to you in this moment. And thank you, Jesus, that you are our redeemer. You are the only one that can save. You are the only one that can provide the deepest deficits of our lives. You can provide for them. You provide for us, God, in ways that are so wonderful and beautiful. Thank you, Lord, that your eyes and your attention are on us, your church, your people, the ones that you love. And Lord, today, as we've looked at this story of romance and this story of redemption, God, capture our hearts again for you. Capture our hearts, Lord, to be willing to lay our lives down for you and then to trust you to do the work of redemption in our lives. Thank you that you are still redeeming us, that you are still raising us, that you are still at work in us, that you are still sanctifying us and making us more like your son. But Lord, you have bought us with a price and you loved us so much that you didn't just buy the field, but you bought the treasure and the field. You bought us all, the good, the bad, the ugly, all the despicable and the broken pieces of our lives. You cared for us so much that you purchased and you redeemed our whole lives. And we thank you for that today. I pray that you would then restore today and redeem marriages and relationships. Lord, where there's been uh, finances that have been lost, where there's been employment that has been lost, where there's been uh, things that have been lost, or whether there's been a walking away or a drifting away from your love, from your care, and from your provision. Lord, in that place today, I pray that you would begin to draw people back to your heart today, that you would bring healing in marriages, healing in families. Lord, we pray for those today that are even just, they're not even thinking about you in this moment. Holy Spirit, family members and friends, even right now, would you begin by your spirit, Lord, to show yourself as the kinsman redeemer, as the goel, as the one that is pursuing them. And Lord, bring them to a place of of care and bring them to a place of provision and salvation, we pray. Father, I pray you would heal bodies today, that you would restore physical bodies and help your people today. Thank you, Lord, that you are the redeemer. And as we enter into a Christmas season, we say, get ready and make way for the redeemer. Here comes our redeemer here he comes again here he comes again and lord we look to you today and thank you for your redeeming grace and your redeeming power in the name of jesus everybody said amen thank you so much for listening to this message we pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged for more information about first assembly how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church.